This morning we're going to wrap up our series in the book of Daniel, where, uh, the series called Stand. And, and throughout the last few weeks, we've been, we've been looking at how we can stand strong in our faith. And, and Harley, you know, we don't always use things for their intended use. Sometimes we, we take things that were built or designed for a certain purpose, and we use them for other things. Yeah. And it works out sometimes. Sometimes. I, I, have a ten, I like to drink my water from a water bottle, and then I like to chew on the water bottle. Yeah, that's probably not real good for mm, your Vanessa taste. Vanessa takes it from me. Right. So, you know, sometimes it, it, it's, it's okay, and sometimes it, it's harmless, and sometimes it's, it's actually harmful. Um, just by a show of hand this morning, how many of you ever stuck a 9-volt battery or a little square battery to your tongue? Yeah. That's how you tell if it's charged, right? Right. right. Your tongue is not a battery tester, though. Right? We can all agree. But, but it does work. And for the most part, I mean, I think it's, it's pretty harmless. I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. We'll see. Well, we'll <laughs> maybe that's what's wrong with all of us. I don't know. We've been testing uh, <laughs> batteries. <laughs> We've been testing batteries. But, you know, that's why the manufacturers put all these warning labels on everything nowadays. Because um, some products, if we use them in a way that they were not designed to be used, it can be dangerous to us. And, and I want to take a few minutes... I mean, have you ever read some of these warning labels? Some of them are just really goofy, but I want to take a few minutes and read some of my, my favorite ones I've ran across. Uh, and the first one, it says, warning, this product can burn eyes, and that is on a curling iron. <laughs> the next one, it says, do not eat toner. It was on a toner cartridge for a printer. Hmm. So... I mean, I, someone had to try that and it's think like, that's... It's the opposite of powdered sugar. Yeah, powdered toner. <laughs> the next one, it says, may irritate eyes, and it's on a can of self-defense de- um, pepper spray. I hope it irritates your eyes, yeah, but it doesn't we, work, it, right? We're, play, we're counting on it. All right. The, uh, another one, it says, do not use orally, and that's on a toilet bowl cleaner, um, but it, the blue toilet bowl it has, cleaner. It has extra whitening. Yeah, it probably will rot whiten your teeth, but I don't, I mean, I'm just going to take a wild guess. I bet it don't taste too good. <laughs> um, and this one is definitely for my kids. It says, uh, do not use as earplugs, and that was on a package of Silly Putty. Uh-huh. They were sticking that in their but ears. it makes your head bounce better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this, is, this, I think, is my favorite. It says, do not use for drying pets. And that's on a microwave oven instruction manual. Nice. <laughs> Don't stick your pets in the microwave. Someone had to try that. Right. I mean, it would dry them, I guess. Uh, Just wrap them in aluminum foil first. First. <laughs> um. <laughs> it's a light show and a pet dryer. <laughs> Please don't, don't. Don't try that. Please don't do that. If you like your pet, don't do it at all. But, uh, but sometimes <laughs> things are pretty clear what they're supposed to be used for and what they're not supposed to be used for. <laughs> things are pretty black and white, but th- sometimes we still, we still like to call them 50 shades of gray. Um, a spiritual truth for you and I and for Harley, for anyone that is a Christ follower, is this, though. God has set us apart. God is, is sanctified. The Bible calls it sanctified us. And, and when something is sanctified, that means that it's been set apart. It's been placed over here for a special, specific use. And God, the Bible says God makes us holy through this sanctification process. 
not perfect, but through Christ, through Christ living in us, we are become holy through Christ. And outside of Christ, we cannot be holy. So, so God has set us apart as holy. So well, what do we do with that, though? Um, to answer that question, hopefully, um, we're going to continue through the book of Daniel. We're going to be in Daniel chapter 5 this morning. The verses will be on the screen. We're going to start in verse 1 of Daniel chapter 5. And this is what it says. Many years later, many years after Nebuchadnezzar, that is, many years later, King Belshazzar gave a great feast for a thousand of his nobles, and he drank wine with them. So history tells us that the kingdom was actually under siege at this time. Siege means that the kingdom was surrounded by an enemy, but the, the audacity of the king would not let allow the, even the appearance that the, anything was wrong or that they were afraid or worried. So what do they do? I mean, they throw a party. So the you know, just kind of saying, you know, we're okay. They can't touch us. He was uh, like, we're like the Titanic. Right. That worked out well. Um, the, the layout of the city kind of helped um, protect them. Uh, the walls were so, so thick. They were like uh, so thick and strong that they would have chariot races on top of the city, on top of the walls. And the chariots would line up three to six chariots wide. They had a fresh water supply. The Euphrates River flowed through the center of the kingdom. Uh, they had plenty of food, plenty of water, so no siege would be successful on them. So they thought, hey, let's, let's party it up. And that's what they did. So verse 2, while Belshazzar was drinking the wine, and as this is kind of written, it's like uh, not just a drink. He's blasted. He's drunk. <laughs> this is a partay, and that implies they're just wasted. He said, as he was wasted, as they were drinking the wine, as he was wasted, he gave the orders to bring, and we all know we make great decisions when we're wasted, right? <laughs> he said, um, he gave the orders to bring in the gold and silver cups that his predecessor, who was his grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, predecessor Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. So these were the, the cups and the utensils that were in the temple, and they were set apart um, which means, as Donnie said, they were sanctified, set apart for a specific use. And then they were declared holy. There was nothing about those utensils or the cups that were holy. And they had done nothing to deserve holiness. They were declared holy and declared clean, set apart for the use in the temple to be used in worshiping God, Jehovah God, these were sanctified, set apart, made holy. And he takes these items, and here's what it says. He wanted to drink from them with his nobles, his wives, and his concubines. Now, just the fact, we know something else about this party. It was an unholy party. Um, in this day and time, men did not party with women back then, in fact, the, the very knowledge, uh, us knowing here that he included his wives and the wives of the nobles, concubines, it gives us an idea what was kind of going on at this party. Verse 3, so they brought these gold cups taken from the temple, these things that were sanctified, which means set apart for God, 
to be used. They were declared holy. He brought these cups taken from the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives, and the concubines drank from them. So the king was using these holy instruments, these holy vessels, these things that were declared holy. He was using them to toast what was unholy. Here's how he did it. Verse four, while they drank from them, they praised their idols made of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. They were toasting their gods with something that had been set aside for Jehovah God, our God. Now get this, the evil one knows what's coming. The evil one knows how this world is going to play out because he has read the prophecies in the Old Testament. He has read the New Testament. He has read Revelation, the book of Revelation. He's even read this book of Daniel, which has prophecy in the last half of it. He knows what's coming. So his best shot in this life is going to find something that is holy and to use it in an unholy way. His best shot at degradation in this life, in this world, is to take that which has been set apart for God and set apart and declared holy and use it to toast something that's unholy. He did that in this scenario. He did that throughout the ages, throughout the pages of the Old Testament, through the pages of the New Testament. And yes, even today, the evil one is looking to take you. If, if you're a Christ follower, let me just tell you this. If you're a Christ follower today, if you have given your life to Jesus, to God, because of what Jesus did for you and for me on the cross, we have done nothing to deserve to be called holy. We've done nothing to earn holiness. But because of what Jesus did on the cross for us, he has declared us holy. Now, here's how this works. I didn't deserve it. I, I cannot earn it. But when Jesus died on the cross, then God has clothed us in his righteousness. Not mine, in his. And therefore, if you choose to, to submit to him, here's what happens. The Bible says that you have then been made a co-heir, a brother of Jesus. What, what is due Jesus, you are now a co-heir. You didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. It was given. We were declared holy because of what he did for us on the cross. He took all of my unholiness, all of the junk in my life, the nastiness of what I have done, what I have thought, what I have said. He took all of that and he paid for it on the cross. He took my unholiness and in return gave me his holiness. 
And beyond that, listen to this. When you choose to submit yourself to God and be clothed by his holiness, the Bible says you become the temple of God. His spirit actually moves inside of your life. Wow. You become the very residence, the house, the temple where God resides. Mm-mm-mm-mm. I'd say that's some holiness, right? Not by what I have done, but by what he has done. Now, the evil one wants to take what is holy, you and me, and use it in an unholy way. Here's how this works. Every time we give in and we cheat at school or at work, the evil one has taken what was holy and used it in an unholy way. Teenagers, every time you disrespect your parents' rules or you disrespect them and their authority and their person, you're taking what is holy, you, and it's being used in an unholy way. Anytime a spouse chooses to develop an emotional attachment to someone of the opposite sex that's not their spouse, the evil one is using you. What was set apart and declared as holy using you now in an unholy way. Anytime we give a substance control over our bodies in the form of an addiction, we're allowing what is holy to be used in an unholy way. For me, even if I choose to eat just because I feel bad and I'm looking to that food to make me feel better, I'm using this body, which was set apart for God and declared as holy because of what Jesus did for me, then I'm using it, allowing the evil one to use it in an unholy way. If you find yourself craving intimacy and as part of that, you've, you begin to watch porn on the computer. You, you're, you're allowing the evil one to take your life, which has been set apart for God, and you're allowing the evil one to use what has been declared holy in an unholy way. If we find ourselves comparing ourselves to somebody else, and we begin to feel better about ourselves because we don't have the problem they have or the struggle that they have or what we don't do what they do then we develop this sense of pride and we're allowing the evil one to use our lives which were meant to be holy and set apart and declared holy we're allowing him to use it in an unholy way and it's very possible that pride may be one of the ultimate sins. If we leave God's plan of sexuality and we do what we want in the moment because that's what we want, then we're allowing the evil one to use what was declared as holy and set apart for God. We're allowing him to use that in an unholy way. And here's our bottom line this morning. You've probably already guessed it. Don't allow the evil one to use what is holy to toast what is unholy. Listen to how this begins to play out. Verse 5. 
Suddenly they saw the fingers of a human hand writing on the plaster wall of the king's palace near the lampstand. The king himself saw the hand as it wrote, and his face turned pale with fright. His knees knocked together in fear, and his legs gave way beneath him. The king shouted for the enchanters, astrologers, fortune tellers to be brought before him. He said to the wise men of Babylon, whoever can read the writing and tell me what it means will be dressed in purple robes of royal honor and will have a gold chain placed around his neck, and he will become the third highest ruler in this kingdom." Verse 8, but when all the king's wise men come in, none of them could read the writing or tell him what it meant. So the king grew even more alarmed, and his face turned pale. His nobles, too, were shaken. But when the queen mother heard what was happening, she hurried into the banquet hall. She said, Belshazzar, long live the king. Don't be so pale and frightened. There's a man in your kingdom who has within him the spirit of the holy gods. During Nebuchadnezzar's reign, this man was found to have insight, understanding, wisdom like that of the gods. Your predecessor, king, the king, your predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar, made him chief over all the majesties, enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers of Babylon. This man, Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar, has exceptional ability and is filled with the divine knowledge and understanding. He can interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel. He will tell you what the writing means. So Daniel was brought in before the king. The king asked him, Are you Daniel, one of the exiles from Judah, by my pre- one, of, one of the exiles brought from Judah by my predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar? I've heard that you have the... You have the spirit of the gods within you and that you are filled with insight, understanding, and wisdom. My wise men and enchanters have tried to read the words on the wall and tell me their meaning, but they cannot do it. I am told that you can give interpretation and solve difficult problems. If you can read these words and tell me their meaning, you will be clothed in purple robes of royal honor and you will have a gold chain placed around your neck. You will become the third highest ruler in the kingdom. I love Daniel's answer here. He says, keep your gifts or give them to someone else. But I'll tell you what the writing means. Your majesty, the most high God, gave sovereignty, majesty, glory, and honor to your predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar. He made him so great that all people of all nations and language trembled before him in fear. He killed those he wanted to kill and spared those he wanted spared. He honored those he wanted to honor and disgraced those he wanted to disgrace. But when his heart and mind were puffed up with arrogance, he was brought down from his holy throne and stripped of his glory. He was, given, he was driven from human society. He was given the mind of a wild animal, and he lived among the wild donkeys. He ate grass like a cow, and he was drenched with the dew of heaven." Until he learned the Most High God rules over the kingdoms of the world and appoints anyone he desires to rule over them. You are his successor, O Belshazzar. You knew all of this, yet you have not humbled yourself. Verse 23, For you have proudly defiled the Lord of heaven and have had these cups brought from his temple, brought before you. You and your nobles and your wives and your concubines have drank wine from them while praising gods of silver, gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Gods that neither can see nor hear or know anything at all. Daniel is just laying it out, letting him have it. 
But you have not honored the God who gives you the breath of life and controls your destiny. So God has sent this hand to write this message. This is the message that was written. Mene, mene, tekel, and persin. This is what these words mean. Mene means numbered. God has numbered the days of your reign and has brought it to an end. Tekel means weighed. You have been weighed on the balances and have not measured up. Persin means divided. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. I like how Daniel said it's already done. It's already been divided. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was dressed in purple robes and a gold chain was hung around his neck. And he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, the Babylonian king, was killed. History tells us that the Medes and the Persians diverted the river that ran through the kingdom, and as the, the level lowered in the river, they just quietly slipped under the gates, and they took the kingdom without a single battle, without even a fight. And, and they did it so quietly that some of the residents didn't even know for like three days that the kingdom had been overthrown. So they were overthrown. The, the king had taken what was holy and had used it to toast what was unholy. And in our very lives, we have the same tendency to allow the evil one to take us uh, who have been set apart. If you're a Christ follower, you've been set apart for God to be used to worship God, to be used as the temple of God. And you have been set apart and declared as holy, but we allow what is holy to be used to toast what is unholy. God encourages us, and our bottom line reminds you, don't allow the evil one to use what is holy to toast what is unholy. That very night they were conquered. Verse 31 tells us, and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. So the Medes and the Persians took over. Now let's present an idea here. If you're like me, there have been some moments in your life where you have allowed what God has set apart as holy. You, you may be a follower of Jesus today, which means that you have been set apart and declared holy, set apart to be used by God for God and then declared holy by him. But some of us, including myself, we experience seasons in our life maybe where we allow the evil one to use our lives to toast something unholy. Maybe... Maybe, like me, that left you feeling worthless. Maybe that left you feeling dirty. Maybe that left you feeling shamed. Maybe that left you feeling ruined, saying, God can never use me again. I lost my chance. I was following him. I said I was committed to him. And then just things went wrong. I chose wrong. I did wrong. And maybe now you feel ruined. 
of no use. Certainly no longer set apart and holy. It's possible. It's possible that you could feel that way this morning. So here we are. The Babylonians overthrown. Now let's flash forward one year from that moment when they were overthrown. A year later, the Medes and the Persians took over. And a year later, a Persian was ruler and in control, making the decisions. And this king, this Persian king, chose a, a, a number of people who were from Israel that were exiled, that were captives in this land. And he allowed them to go home. Now, what were they going home to? The walls were demolished around the city. That was a shame. They were vulnerable. There was nothing. I mean, they were moving from a safe area now to a very unsafe area. Captivity was safe in this moment. And now they were moving to a very unsafe area. And not worse than that, the temple was completely destroyed. The temple was destroyed. If there is no temple for the Jewish people, there is no sacrifice for sin. This was significant. In fact, that temple had to be rebuilt. Why? Because about 500 years later, Jesus had to show up in that temple. About 500 years later, Jesus had to be there so that Jesus could ultimately be the sacrifice for all mankind. The temple had to be rebuilt. So this king, this Persian king, sent a small group of people to Israel and allowed them to rebuild the temple, gave them the resources they needed to do it. And he did this. By his choice, he took all of these utensils, all of these cups and things that had one, at one time been sanctified and set apart for God but now had been defiled and dirtied and, and tainted and ruined. He gathered all of those things up and he said, take these back and place them in your temple when you rebuild. You're going to need them. And they took what had been shamed they took them from that environment of shame and that environment of disgrace and that environment of hurt and abuse. And they brought these items back to the temple that was going to be rebuilt, and it was. And once again, they were sanctified, set apart to be used only for God. They were once again declared holy. What had become disgraced and unclean was once again declared holy. And my friends, I want you to know that no matter what circumstances you have been in, no matter what environments you have seen or participated in, God, God 
can declare you holy again. He can set you apart and sanctify your life and say you are mine and you will be used for me and my purposes. What felt ruined and of no use, God reclaimed and redeemed and renewed. And that is you and that is me if you will allow it to happen. Listen to how the New Testament describes this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself, he's not suggesting that you can make yourself clean. What he's referring to here is if we submit ourselves to God and say, God, I can't, but you can. In fact, the Bible tells us if we confess our sins before God, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and God will make you new. Listen to this. Therefore, anyone who cleanses himself from what is dishonorable will be, once again, listen to this, will be a vessel, a vessel, not vessel. That's a new thing. He will be a vessel for honorable use. Listen to this, set apart as holy, useful to the master the master of the house, ready for every good work. And that can be your life. If you don't allow the evil one to use what is holy to toast the unholy. And if by chance that has happened in your life, as it has in mine, then I want you to know this. There's forgiveness at the cross. And he will cleanse you. He will forgive you. If we confess with our mouth, we say, God, here it is. This is what's happened. He already knows he's waiting on you to agree with him. That you need him. And this morning, we're just simply going to say, will you pray with us? Will you pray? Our next step today is the same one we've had for three weeks. Will you read Psalm 119, eight verses at a time, and work your way all the way through that one day at a time, eight verses at a time? And will you add to that one chapter out of Proverbs every day and work your way through that? And now, will you join me in a prayer? We call it a Me Too prayer. A prayer that just simply says, if what I am saying is echoing what your heart is saying, you just say to God in, in, in your heart, you say to God, you don't even have to say it out loud. Say, God, that's me too. That is me too. Join me in a prayer. God, I have allowed the evil one to take this life, which was set apart for you. I allowed him to use my life to toast unholy things. Forgive me, Heavenly Father. No matter the offense, Jesus, you paid the debt on the cross in my place. I'm asking you to take this life and to clean it. Once again, set it apart as holy, a holy utensil to be used by you, Father. I have now been returned to your care, your worship, your desires, and there I want to remain. This week, 
I'm going to continue to saturate my life with your words in Psalm 119. And I'm going to saturate my life with your words in Proverbs. Cleanse me. Set me apart for your good work, your holy work. Thank you, Jesus, in your name, my Savior, my Messiah that I pray. Amen.